I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back, unashamed. Uh, we still got Zach in house as predicted. Yep, and uh, which out. is which the is prophecy, great. The prophecy was true. The prophecy was fulfilled right here. Zach in house. Um, we um, we're going to just dive right in because we we really got into Mark twelve in the last chapter and we started out with this parable um, that Jesus gives and it's a thinly veiled <laughs> parable because the the people who he was talking about got it. The crowd got it, and of course, what he's doing is, is as Jay said, is he's uh, he's picking he's picking his fight now because he's he's out there. So we did say this in overtime that in Mark eleven twenty seven he identifies the people who are trying to trap him and argue with him because he is a threat to their religious establishment, which he established. And and now it, he's trying to fulfill that and making it, you know, through prophecy and all the things that the Son of God is here. The kingdom has come. I'm the king. And he's now gone public. And these people, Jace, have been, they've been on the fringe through the whole time, these three years he's been doing all this. I think that's why Mark lays his out geographically. You know, he was up here, he was over there, he was in the Decapolis. Now he's he's come in what they think is their house, but what Jesus knows, no, this is my house. Yeah. And so there's the clash. You know, there's the clash because he's in the heart of Jerusalem at which, the which, temple. Which is the nature of, like, how corruption works, right? You you have an institution that's that people start with good intentions, and it blows up and does well. And then and it and it, it gets more it's gets bigger and more powerful whatever and then people come in and co opt that and kind of like like the parasites they suck off of it and they're sitting here in Jesus's temple it's his temple and they think that this is somehow their temple that's right because they're they've been running the show for the last however many years right and this guy shows up and he and 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 he's flipping over tables and he's doing all, and they're like. Who's authority? Wait, wait, who, who, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are coming here doing this? And they can't just kill him outright because the crowd at this point is with him. Because <laughs> they have said he's doing miracles, right. which confirmed they're like, this is not a magic trick. Right. This guy was dead. And he's Lazarus and, was dead and now he's alive. Well, you know, if you were part of that, we and I made that illustration last time. I mean, you're 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 jumping up and down, ready to really die in that moment because you're like, evidently he can he can bring back. We read that death. in the last podcast from John Eleven. The arrogance yeah. they saw and they said, "What are we going to do about this guy?" I mean, people are believing. If we keep this going, everybody's going to believe this guy. But he's a, but he's a storyteller, so he's he gives them this parable about the, about the, the vineyard, and I love the what was the the. When you read the version of this, where the people spoke back, was that yeah, it was in Matthew, Matthew, yeah, yeah, and they and they and the people speak back. What you, they're he, like, he, you the, know what? He's, these wretched wretches. <laughs> so you can you know imagine. what the irony of that was him telling this, where and the meaning of it was that God sent the prophets to him, and he's trying to share with them, like we've said many times, Jesus has come. I'm coming to the earth. Yeah, I'm in the form of a man. I mean, that's. That's what he was trying to get them to see. And they killed the prophets. They didn't put their faith and trust in Jesus. And the the irony of all this is, speaking of vineyard, and they would kill his son. I mean, he's telling them what's fixed to happen. And, and we, we pointed out that three different times he predicted his death, but he actually predicted it here in this parable, which would be a, a fourth one. Right. But the irony that hit me was that later on, Paul would record that Jesus Christ was the first fruits from among the dead. So he tells this parable about the vineyard and he sends his son and they kill him. And even that would be used as a picture of Jesus being the first fruits, which implies this is going to happen again. You, I'm and, the that, first and that's what's Others interesting. Will You're right. He tells the story and it hasn't happened yet. That hadn't happened yet. So you can imagine they're <laughs> a mind bender. You can imagine their frustration. All right. You're, you're on the opposite end of Jesus. Just think about it. You're, you've been running the show. It's your structure, your temple, your protocols, your network. You've been, this is your building. Like it's, and this guy shows up and doesn't answer a question. You can't trap him. 
every time you think you're going to trap him, he he comes in with a whole other thing that blows everybody's mind. The people are getting behind him. I mean, they, they, like you can imagine if your heart's not right, how angry. I mean, they they were seething with rage at this man and Jesus, who is, I mean, but 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 instead of seeing it as conviction, they saw it as threatening because we've been talking about that in the power. You know, it reminds me of like, you know, how some, all of us speak in, in front of crowds and sometimes you're just into it, man, the Holy Spirit, the study, it's all coming out and you got people talking back. Come on, come on, bring it. Yeah. And you're in, you more. And then there's one guy sitting there that's just stone cold. He, he's not buying it. Yeah. And that's the one, you know, you look at him and afterwards he's like, I got a problem with you preacher. And that's because the message was convicting, but, the heart wasn't right. And so, yeah. you know, this is kind of what it reminds me of in this scenario. So if you're following along, he's, Mark does this many times. He tells a story within a story. In this case, he's going to bring up two arguments politically and I guess about the afterlife because you have three new groups of people who are going to enter the argument stage, which, which I think I mean, is they're the not point. new, yeah. but they're the Pharisees and the Herodians in chapter 12 and 13. So we're going to talk about Pan Texas, which is a highly controversial paragraph we'll get into. And then in 18, the Sadducees come along who say there's no resurrection and they have a question to try to trap Jesus in one, keeping the marriage law, this marriage and, and divorce and what happens if your spouse dies and what happens if you're married seven times at the resurrection? Well, who's going to be Who's going to be the husband and the wife? I mean, you, you've created a system that won't work from their opinion. But then when he gets to 28, we're back to the teachers of the law because one of the teachers of the law heard these arguments. And now we have another question, which leads to another issue in the temple courts in verse 35. We're, we're back with the religious leaders. And then I love 41 when it gets to the end because he it gets to what Jesus is all about in the new kingdom that these participants in the kingdom they may look poor they may be poor in spirit they may be weeping they may not have anything but they're the most powerful people on the planet because of his power his success you know his glory and his his virtue so and we and we had talked about just just to reiterate this cuz we're fixing to read it that the Herodians popped up back in Mark 3 you know, making sort of these alliances. And, and you got to remember, this is all part of the political picture because you've got, you still have Herod and you've got this Jewish, but they're puppets, you know, they're yeah, not they're even puppets of the Roman empire. Exactly. These aren't real. Yeah. This is, a, yeah, but it is political. I mean, you have, you have to recognize what's going on here. And I would argue that even, even the Pharisees and Sadducees were, were political groups. I mean, yes, they were, um, yeah, you know, part of the Jewish culture and, and part of the, the temple and all that. But 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 this is there's a lot of jockeying for power going on here. Right. And so so these alliances are made. So Pharisees and Herodians who don't get along about anything, but in their hatred for Jesus, it brought to them together. Same thing's gonna happen later, the Bible tells us, with Herod himself and Pontius Pilate. They've never gotten along, but in this scene about what to do with Jesus, they wind up becoming pals, you know, going forward. So it's, exactly. it's kind of like the evil alliance. And I, and I will say this. Now, this this may be deep, but he is laying the groundwork for introducing a phrase that we've come to maybe take for granted a little bit. But I would call it understanding what a living hope is, because Jesus it's going to look like he gets crushed. Everybody abandons him. He had nothing. We put down the insurrection. This crazy radical thinks he's something and can do all these magic tricks. Well, now what are you going to do? We're going to crucify you like the, you know, whatever adjective you want to put in there that you are. And you're, you're now what are you going to do? And, you know, they're mocking him and they're scared. He saved him. others, but he can't save himself. And then all of a sudden, uh-oh. He comes back from the dead. And so what that does, all these times that he's telling us to deny ourselves and bring, you want to follow me? Carry your cross. Give up everything you have. Go sell everything you have. All, this, this, which seems to be a miserable calling to give up all worldly success and in, endure pain and learn from it and go through your wilderness. But he's introducing a concept 
of living hope. Because what you think about your future, and this has been proven, whether you're a believer or not, affects how you live. Right. You will endure whatever. If you know at the end of the road, you're coming out of the ground. I mean, you, there's been numerous movies and different things where, you know, two guys were in prison. You know, one of them, his family died while he was in prison. Well, he was dead a year later. The other one had his wife and his kids waiting on him, and he just endured. And he do it because that love for maybe seeing them one day affected how he lived and his attitude. So we, I think we take that for granted because he's laying the groundwork for that so that later on, 2,000 years later, it may look really rough, your life, and you may lose your job, and you may lose your your marriage spouse. You know, I mean, all these things happen, but you know in your mind when you look at the story of Jesus that ultimate victory came through him laying down his life and being resurrected. It produced a concept that was foreign to the world, which is a living hope on earth. I think that's the power of the passion of Christ. And, um, you know, Mel Gibson did that film a few years back. By the way, there's a the sequels coming out. I've heard that the they're working on it. Yeah. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you think about like when you watch that uh, movie, The Passion and yeah, we try to watch it every Easter, and I, it's like when this—it's not an enjoyable experience, right? I mean, it's not like—I I mean, I, it's, I have to like gear myself up to watch it because of the brutality of it. And so, you know, I think about like my own life, and I think about how Jesus handles this question on taxes, for example. And it's like, you know, we get so bent out of shape of our of how we're disenfranchised here on this. Like, uh, maybe it's a religious liberties argument, maybe it's a political, whatever, whatever the thing is that you're like bent out of shape about, and then you see the Son of God having his flesh ripped off of his back and just beat to a living pulp, and you're just like, it could be worse. It was worse, you know? And I, I, To me, it's in that, like it's in this death, in the way that he died, in this, the humility of it all, in the and when I say the humility, I don't mean like the humility. I mean, it was humiliating. You know what I mean? It was it was a complete mockery. I mean, they're talking about, and you see that it was that in that was the seeds being sown of a life that was coming forth from the grave that would that would literally change the entire history of, of the universe. Yeah. Every time I read this text, Zach Orr watched The Passion, I mean, I come away with extreme gratitude because I, I view that this event of the passion as for me. And, you know, when they're down there sopping up his blood with, you know, with rags and towels, I mean, in the moment of watching that, I'm thinking yeah. all that was for me. Well, that's what separates what Jesus did from all other religious so-called people. I mean, <clears throat> at some point you realize that his blood, it goes down through all the politics and through all the bureaucracies and it finds you. You know, he, and that's why he tells the story about you lose one. You got a hundred sheep, you lose one. Well, he's going to go get it. That's why I'm eating with this riffraff. He actually was the only power on earth that just looked at all people equally, no matter where they were from, what they did. And all these, and we brought this up last podcast, these powers that be that are attacking him, they tended to cater to the people that agreed with them. And since Jesus obviously didn't agree, that's why this is sickening where the teachers of the law and the chief priests and, and the powers that be, they were not really, didn't have political prowess. So what do they do? They're the ones that sent in verse 13 later, these teachers of the law, because Jesus just gave them a scathing parable. Before we read that, let's take a break. So we're coming up on the holidays. Uh, it's the happiest season uh, and sometimes the most hectic season. We want to get that family recipe just right. Uh, maybe we want to deal with that uncle whose politics are just wrong. Uh, so, you know, we're trying to figure out a good gift to give in the spirit of giving. Uh, we have a great idea. Premium auto products from Raycon, uh, one of our favorite sponsors. They uh, have wireless earbuds, headphones, speakers. They offer uh, premium sound. A custom, comfortable fit 
uh, up to 54 hours of battery life, uh, which you need that. So whether you're going to, you know, fire up the living room for the party or if you need just to get away for a little Zen meditation with the earbuds, uh, this is the product for you. I love them. And I've told you before, my favorite place to use my Raycons is on a, on a plane uh, somewhere, reading my book, just kind of getting into my own world. So Raycon wants you to make this stressful holiday period easier with holiday gift guides for everyone in your life. And starting this December, uh, they're going to have the countdown to Christmas, and they're going to have some pop-up flash deals every single day so you can find some great products. You can get them at Kohl's or Walmart, but the best deals you're going to find are at buyraycon.com slash unashamed. They offer free shipping, free returns, uh, buy now, pay later options with a 30-day happiness guarantee, and we like that. So right now, go to buyraycon.com slash unashamed to get 15% off site-wide with the code HOLIDAY plus free shipping. So that's the code HOLIDAY at buybyraycon.com slash unashamed for 15% off your Raycon purchase. That's buyraycon.com slash unashamed. To your point, now there's four of us sitting here, and we all know each other well, kin folks. I've been at this for about 50 years. And what stands out to me, and I see it here in all of this and all these arguments these people were making so they wouldn't follow Jesus. You present Jesus to people, and it's not rocket science, you know. He died, was buried, raised from the dead. But the same, I notice there's something that always flows within the people that have not moved at all. For whatever reason, you end up, you t- tell them about Jesus. And that thing is what's, what's, what's available is classically seen in every one of them is misery. It's misery. It, it, it's just stark misery. You're trying to get them to turn off and get up and curse, you know, and just when you're pointing them to Jesus, you'd think that. But misery's there, and by the same same uh, observation, I've seen you you boys here, y'all now in your 50s, going towards 60s, whatever, but there's one thing I never see in any of you. Misery. I don't, I don't see, you're not miserable. Miserable, miserable people, they're there by the billions surrounding, going everywhere. It's just stark misery. And to your point, it's not necessarily, not just people who just don't have, even people who are wealthy, who have possessions. Yeah. A lot of misery. A lot of misery. Because you think those things will supply you what you want. It's an ethos of bitterness that just permeates. Yeah, it is. It's it's so And he's basically talking to these people. That's what he's talking to. It's going to all end up. They are going to suffer misery. but Well, these religious leaders who are miserable should have been embracing Jesus. It's like they should be, you know, having palm, questions. palm branches and saying, yeah. here we go. You know, this their is, questions they should have the and their doubt yeah. is just a sign and showing of misery. <laughs> yeah. So watch this. Let me read this. So, so later, verse 13 to 12, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus because they have the political power to do something about this guy. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're, so, we're going up the scale. Oh, they, yeah. they, they, it's a coup. And that, to catch him in his words, and this is, look, it's hard to read stuff like this because watch what they say. They came to him and said, teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, so political. Watch it, it, out. Political watch out when people <laughs> are flattering you. That's right. yeah. It gets worse. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. <laughs> Which is, I just made that point. Right. He treated everyone from the peasant, even the, in his parable, you think about the servants he was sending, the prophets, what were they? They were humble people. They were shepherds. They were fig gatherers. They were the the prophets of old. They were just normal people that he chose and and because of their character and their surrender towards him. So look, then he says... Uh, Let's see, where am I at? You aren't swayed, yeah, you aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Incredible. Everything they said is right, but they're but they're thought, totally lying. <laughs> so I thought the next question should be 
can we follow you? <laughs> That's right. But instead, you get this question. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? The, should, uh, should we should we pay or shouldn't we pay? So, yeah, this is this. And then they sit back yeah. and go, oh, well, yeah. now Cause, deal cause, with cause that. It, what this is, this is like <laughs> we we don't like the Roman Empire, right? These people do not like the Roman well, Empire, correct? And but so what they're trying to do is is now they're going to try to shift this burden over to the Romans, they, like because right. if he says, yeah, you don't have to pay Caesar. Now the other it's the, the other translations game. they say imperial imperial tax and I looked it up and it was basically the worst tax they had which is just you pay to be part of the a Roman yeah. alive citizen. on planet Earth that so was a census tax <laughs> yeah if you say I'm here then you got to pay yeah. and, and basically they're paying Rome yeah. to to oversee you it's it was like a mafia situation. And look, yeah. and, and you need protection so yeah. pay us so you read the history you'll go back and have a fascinating read like 25 years before this there was a leader who revolted and said I'm, I ain't doing it I'm not paying this it's just ridiculous they had, led, a, tea, they had a tea party yeah they it led to an ins, insurrection and guess what they revolted and died <laughs> <laughs> So, because the Romans are saying, "Pay us taxes, so we'll protect you." Who, who, from whom? Us. <laughs> but everybody was aware of that. So, so basically, you have this uh, trap to the question: If Jesus says, "Pay the tax," well, then the people. Well, I thought right. you were going to bring a new. What are you saying? You're for this, and I mean, and this Caesar. What kind of king like, are you? Pedophile and adulterer. I mean, you know, everything yeah. the Lord is is for, He's against, and vice versa. So, and if you don't pay the tax, well, then the authorities, we're, we're back to insurrection. Right. You're creating insurrection. Needs to be killed. They so got him. Yeah, it's a trap. I, I mean, he, they got, got him. him. There's no way out of this. He's which, not which out. if it, of course, the Lord answers the best way, but if it had been me, I would have answered like Fletcher did on Josie Wales. Senator, don't pee down my back and tell me it's right. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? This is as controversial today as it was anyway, because... Because now you're getting into a political argument, which is this, verse 10. And it's a yes or no question, which in any media coverage of any political event, how many times did the media or any kind of Congress, they're seated and they're asking the question. They'll say, please answer with a yes or no. Yeah, yeah. It's never going to happen. They're never (laughs) going to say. They start talking, yes or no, please. And he's like. Now, 1994, yes or no, please. They're not going to say yes or no. no they're not. <laughs> Should we pay or shouldn't we? That's a simple question. So, but Jesus knew their hypocrisy. And his answer is, why are you trying to trap me? So he didn't answer the question. He answered the question with a question, which is in any political world, they say that's the greatest thing you can ever do. And Jesus. But he also destroys the narrative of all that flattery. Yeah. It's just like he did. Well, you know, as you said, I'm a noble man yeah, who yeah. teaches only truth. He just says, why are you trying to trap? Well, it was all a trap because they were bragging on him. So they put him on the spot. Everybody's mm-hmm. watching. This is a moment here. This. <laughs> so he asked. Now, now, I think there's some irony in here that I, this is the, I, I told last podcast when I was sitting in my house reading my Bible at one o'clock in the morning, I was like, oh my goodness, get, it, it hit me in this next statement. Because he asked, bring me a denarii and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose portrait or image, I think is a better rendering, is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Now, the reason they were amazed, I think we need to discuss. And I'm going to I'm going to note I'm going to bring out a couple of points that this this word that he used when it said give uh, the King James Version says rendered and because it's a different word than the one you know is it right to pay what did they ask him is it, is it right, right to pay taxes, to, pay taxes to, caesar to caesar or not and so the the rendering that he said give to caesar means you give him what you deserve it's not give as in a gift or because it's your duty or it's so think about that give to caesar what he deserves and so that that's his answer now 
so what is your initial thoughts? And then I'll I'll give y'all my epiphany. Well, I mean, my initial thought is he he they're trying to get him to, as you let properly laid out, to choose one or the other, and he chooses both. I mean, we're yeah. here, Caesar's here, but 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 there's we're, a lot we're here, of we're here and God is here. There's a lot of individuals then and now that they really hate to pay taxes. Oh. <laughs> and I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. I mean But I, I live here and I'm a citizen of this country. Think about two two ironies here. So the actual coin, I looked it up because y'all know I'm a treasure hunter and I'm into I actually coins. thought when I was studying, I thought about you. I was yeah. like, well, this the is Jace. This is Jace as well. Hang on, let's take a break. So we talk a lot on our podcast, obviously, about, you know, biblical things, way to have a purity in your life and in your heart, have better marriages, be better dads, be better moms. And one of the things that um, that is a big challenge for people, especially in our culture, uh, is what they look at and what they see. And, of course, the Internet has made it possible for, unfortunately, people at younger and younger ages to be exposed to pornography, which is a real scourge. One of our sponsors here of the podcast is a group called Covenant Eyes. And for the past 22 years, uh, they've helped over 1.5 million people uh, towards a porn-free life. So we love what they're doing. They make you better in your family, of course, better in your own heart and mind. Uh, we know what God tells us in the Bible about lust, and it doesn't do anybody uh, any good. So if you want to see what a porn-free life can look like and protect your family, go to coveyes.com slash fill. Uh, the Covenant Eyes is going to give you a free 30-day trial. So it's free 30 days if you sign up today with the promo code Phil. Go to coveyes, dot com slash Phil uh, and get this pornography out of your life. To my surprise, on the coin, you had this Tiberius Caesar, and it says, Son of Divine Augustus. Now, just think about that statement, son of divine. And on the other side, it said, highest priest. So here's a king who produced a coin. They were his coin. He took his material and made the coin. Correct. So in this instance, it's a little different than our government deal. This guy had all this wealth. He possessed all the coins and distributed it to the people and was like, you pay it back, but he his image, commerce and business his, and what he portrayed on the coin was son of a god, highest priest, king. And so here is the son of God who is God's and our high priest, king introducing the kingdom, and and that's where Jesus went because his answer was, "Whose image is this?" So he went to the image of the coin. Well, whose image is Jesus? He's the son of God. He's the high priest and, he, and he's king. That That's what he was doing. So I think when he said render, you know, give, you give him what he deserves. Yeah, he didn't say no, don't pay the tax. But he's basically saying out from under that because he's not really supporting what he's doing. But he's like, well, he created this little cute picture with these claims that are not true, but you give to God what is God's. Well, we're created in the image of God. And so I think you see the irony in that, which is give him his little coin, but you give God your allegiance. I mean, you give him your life. He wants your heart. I that's think, why I made a big deal about that word. I mean, I think yeah. the NIV did a terrible the, job the word translating render? that. Yeah, I think it should be render is a bit is a better translation. Now look, you go study it yourself and I could be wrong. But no, I've read that too. It's a, it's a it's giving back to Caesar what what it's it's more of what is already his. Yeah, it's which not, is yeah. what I said. He yeah. created the coin. Well, that's obviously. A, well, I, and and I think the what, what he's getting at here, I think this point that he's getting at here is that what, what because the question I would have is well, what's God's? Okay, fine. The coin is Caesar's, but what's God's? I think the answer is God wants the heart. He wants your heart. And that's why when we move further along into Mark 12, when they try to trap him again later on with the question, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus does give an answer then. 
me. That that one he doesn't. It, it's not a quirky answer. It's not a zinger. It's not a it's not a play on words. It's not a gotcha moment, which is it, which it has been up until this point. All these things have been like just him intellectually scalding the the the, the leaders. I I look at it as like I, uh, up until this point, it's like that scene in every high school movie where you have the new kid that moves into school and he's being picked on by the by the the jock and he just totally embarrasses him in front of the whole school. You know, it's like that moment where Jesus is embarrassing these people. He's exposing them. But then there is that moment where they say, what's the greatest commandment? And there's like a, this is like a, a moment in the Bible and Jesus's ministry where it was just complete sincerity of this is what I'm after. I'm yeah. after the heart. Yeah. And, there's no doubt. And there's a ton of implications of what that means. I, th- I mean, I think it's one of those things that I've been a Christian for 20, 22 years and, uh, I still don't really know what that means for you. I mean, I'm I'm just scratching the surface of that. But I think whatever that means to give God my heart, I think when you talked about misery, Phil, like what what follows people who refuse to give their heart to God is misery. That's right. You know, so I know whatever it is to give my heart to God, I know that it smells a lot like peace of mind. Well, that's why last podcast I brought up the Sermon on the Mount because those heart like qualities qualities poor in spirit and hungering and thirsting for righteousness and humbled and meek and you're in a position to give god your heart because you realize i'm not going to be able to pull this pull this off and so here i think the irony of this because we talked about jesus owned everything but had nothing that's why people couldn't recognize him as as a king and we talked about all the things he borrowed Remember the thing? He borrowed a colt. He borrowed the upper room. He borrowed a house. He borrowed boats so he could preach in. He borrowed food. You know, and some of them he gave back the way it was. Like he said, I'll return the colt. Some he took and did a miracle and had more food. And Well, here he had to borrow a coin, which is, I think, ironic. And here, so you have, you have a, two sides, two kings. You have one who owns all the coins in the world. Literally, he produced them. And then you have another king on the other side who had to borrow one to make a point. He, he didn't say, let me get this out of my pocket. Yeah. I, 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 I think there's some irony in here that shows you some truth. But look, and it, and it does come forward to today because the, the same trap is laid out. People do it today. They'll think, well, it's got to be either or. You know, no, it's both and. We live here. So whatever the government is, wherever you live on the planet, there's a government. And guess what? They're going to print money, and it's going to have their leaders on it. That's yeah. what ours do. Some and of they're our, going to waste a lot. They're going to waste a lot. And look, and, and on our money, it says, in God we trust, still. They've been trying to get it off. It says it on there. Yeah. So so both are mentioned on our money. Mm-hmm. E pluribus unum. You know, but out you of many give your one. Allegiance, but you don't give your allegiance to it. And I think no, that's No, and what that's he it. Said. That's it, the point. It's, it's a place be, of extremes. And you see that. And I think he's, he's somewhat addressing that because you see the the radical edges of this or people just say well we're not supporting it we're going to go move to a mountain we ain't paying taxes and we're going to seclude ourselves from the world the problem with that is that flies in the face from every text about we're the light of the world we're the salt of the earth where god uses us in these situations i mean jesus is going to the temple yeah i mean think about like i mean think about how long well, I've been keeping up with the political battles since the late 90s when I was in college and got into talk radio. And here's what I can report after 20-something years of, of keeping up with it. People are still mad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like and, and at some point, I just had to come to the conclusion, I don't want to live my life in constant yeah. outrage. That's it. I mean, are we, and I'm, I'm going to give my headspace over that if I'm not, I mean, we're not, like, it's, it's like. And you, guess what? Governments are corrupt. And look. And they waste and, money. Yeah, big <laughs> shocker. I mean. And you yeah. look, and here comes the misery. Yeah, it comes exactly. to Well, the other extreme is to be a zealot in these days, which was get yeah. a weapon. Yeah. We're gonna we're 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 gonna overturn. By the way, it, one know? of the twelve had, one of the Simons zealot tendencies. He was a zealot. He was a yeah. zealot. I mean, he was in that camp, but when he came over to Jesus, he's hearing a different message. He's, he's no, but that's why Jesus' answer was so clever. Yeah. Which is basically give him his little coin, but he didn't support that. But that's why I made it such a big deal about 
give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. You, the, and he made the point about the Im, whose image of that. Ultimately, God owns everything. Right. Yeah. And compared to your life and the, the air that you're breathing and your talents well, There's a lot of people running and, around, Jay. There's a lot of people that doesn't give their money to either. Well, right. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. <laughs> our heart. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But, but look, from our perspective, um, let's take a break. From our perspective, the government, the one that prints our money, they're powerful. And they, they could come in to the four of us. They could come in tomorrow, take all our money, put us in jail for whatever. Somebody makes up something. And, and it'd be hard for them in our system to take our lives. But even if they did that, they still don't get us. I mean, we're committed to I think, something I think, I think that's the big thing, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the opposite of misery, that now my well-being is not tied to my circumstance. Exactly. In the kingdom of God, my well-being is not tied to my circumstance or what I'm consuming. Like that, like that thing that's that we, we've bought the lie that if we can consume possessions and victory and political power, if we can consume these things and somehow that, that's not going to fulfill you. Yeah. And Jesus is upside down kingdom. That's what he's saying. Like, it's not a, like, no, you want like, actually you get fulfillment in my kingdom from giving. Well, that's something I can do. Well, right. I that's why look, that. that's why two paragraphs later you have a, cause he does this story within a story, within a story, within a story. <laughs> He then brings up this in 41, Jesus, and I think we should read it now. He sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now, look, if you go back and read two chapters, there's a pretty good chance that what's going on at the temple treasury might have some issues or some corruption because <laughs> yeah. he's overturning tables. and yeah. <laughs> So many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Now he calls the disciples over to him and he said, look, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. You say, well, what was his point? Was he trying to to share why you should support the temple? Probably not. No, I don't he think, was... yeah, he just turned over the tables and talked <laughs> about what a mockery they'd made out of Anna, Anna, a, a, a tin of robber, a den of robbers. So obviously, he's, it ain't even about the money, right? No. no. It just, it shows you that what his kingdom represents, and that's why I brought up the Luke 6, and I want to bring it up again, because I really think that's his point. When he says in Luke 6, in verse 20, when he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You read the Matthew 5, the poor in spirit. Uh, you know, those qualities that he's after. You have your heart ready to receive Jesus in this state. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you'll be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. Blessed are you men who hate you when they... So you're putting your, your heart in a position to realize that Jesus offers the solution. He His power is what's going to carry me through, yeah. his success. So then he... He turned it around in 24. Woe to you who are rich for you. That's why he made these comments about it's so hard for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. Because when you're comfortable, when you're successful, and when you got a lot of money, you, you're under a delusion that somehow or another you're a powerful person on the planet and you're going to beat death and you're going to somehow justify the mistakes you've made. Yeah. And it's just not going to happen. I mean, not gonna you're not going to have a purpose in life that doesn't end on you transferring all your power and people arguing about what to do with your money. You are no longer here. And at the end and, of the and day, it, and it will happen. I, I, you know, every time someone close to me dies, you know, I've lost, uh, I lost two grandparents uh, a few years to COVID. Um, and my mom died before that, but it's when them, when you're going through their house and you're going through their stuff and you're dividing it up at the end, it's a sobering thought, you know, a lot of it goes in the trash. And then the rest of it just gets kind of like divided up. My granddad, on everything that he owned, I don't know why he did this. He put his name and his phone number, I guess, in case he lost it. I mean, his coffee mugs had like a, like, I mean, everything. He like, he didn't want to lose it. 
And I'm like, and I'm sitting here at the end of his life and I've got all this stuff with his name on it. I'm like, it's just, it, 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 he, what was the, well, it didn't matter, right? It didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and, but we, like you think, well, man, I, you can understand the frustration that people have and the misery. That's why. Cause there's that, that thing right there is like nagging at all of us. I think if, and, and for those who refuse to move into Jesus's kingdom, like that's got to produce a, a, it's, it's miserable. Cause that is your fate. That is your end. That's that's where this thing is headed. And I, yep. I just I think when Jesus is looking at this coin and he's like, all these things he's talking about here, he's just he's just kind of like this putting a spotlight on all that. I think you're right, Jason, to read that text in with the context of the question they asked, because it really does come down to which heart do you want to have? Because right before that, he describes the teachers of the law, and it's not pretty. Nope. What they love, they love to be seen. Well, I was they... trying to make a point that the reason this is controversial is because people go here to say whether you should pay taxes or not, but nobody ever goes to the widow, widow's offering and saying, "Should you give well, everything how come you're supporting this all this mess in the temple here? They've obviously missed it. Yeah. I mean, Jesus cannot be any more clear. And the problem is, is because we're talking about, you know, your money. And the way the government operates, and, and, and remember, in whatever that, political party you are, you're going to be able to find some problems with the government. And remember, in the yeah. in the first century culture, the the other than children, which are even lesser, but the widow woman is as low as you go. I mean, she's got nothing. She's got nobody to take care of her. And so that's the picture he's saying. That's who I'm with. You know, Sunday I, I preached a sermon, and you know, people are like. They appreciate this. You said that. I mean, I didn't understand that. And you get all these comments afterwards, but there was a little widow lady at our church that we all have known her whole life. And she got to where she kind of doesn't recognize people now. But as I was walking out, she walked, somebody was helping her to get, get outside to her car. And she looked and of course I just preached and she looked up and she said, Alan, is that you? I said, yes, ma'am, it's me. And then she kissed me on both cheeks. Mm. And I thought, you know, out of anything good that happened today, that was the greatest blessing I got. Yeah. You know, because she's all in. You know, it's yeah. that hard. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. That's what he looks for. That's a good point yeah. that you bring up too with the kind of people that Jesus is is holding up as the leaders in the kingdom. It's right. it, it doesn't make any sense. Even even at his resurrection, you think, I mean, I mean women were I mean, the uh was I think it was Josephus said that the a testimony of a woman was like that of a dog or something. I can't remember the exact right. quote. And and it was that that's who Jesus chose. To bear witness to his resurrection. That's right. So I mean, there's like all kind of uh, implications of the kingdom and 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 how it would advance uh, marginalized people. I mean, you think of like like Jesus was. I mean, what he was doing was completely groundbreaking. Oh, and, exactly. And just transformation. That's why I keep bringing up this point, and I hope we get it. That when you think of any government or any court system, or what what are the, what what is the purpose of that? What why do we have that? It should be to to have all people reach their potential and be their best. And to and, have true justice. Yeah, to have yeah. true justice people are wrong, for right. all people. Here's the problem. Woo. That's not happening. <laughs> no. Only in Jesus will you find right. the answer to racism, That's to right. ultimate unity, to taking care of injustice, to helping the That's poor. Right. Look, to health care. You know, how much money did he ever blow? Um, I guess every All time these he people, had, I mean, I mean he, he had was, to borrow a quarter. He's going around, <laughs> and I don't know of any, the only time I saw money change hands was right here. And when, well, well, he had to borrow a quarter. That's one, what I said. One piece. Or when they, he's when like, he let me make an illustration. Coin out of the fish. All right, quick, give me a quarter. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, I need, a, I need a coin to look at. Let's take our last break. I just find it fascinating, and I think if you go down the political uh, spectrum, when you look at what Jesus did on a daily basis, he actually was way more functional about helping all people in all circumstances, no matter what had happened, from all, from race. You know, it is kind of interesting. Give your money to Caesar, and who was it? It was Caesar or the the other? Where did he say do it? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Yeah, give yeah, to Caesar what is God. But it, it's it's pretty funny that that's the only time that money ever came up the whole time he was there. Right. 
I mean, it's, well, and it's, it's kind of like the deal about, and, and well, we know I mean, people but, talk uh, about giving a lot, give to churches, give to charities. Yeah. But really, I mean, his point here is, is that God doesn't really need your money. No, he I mean, does. But I mean, when, there is the story about the the uh, when Peter, you well, know, they, they tried to trap that. him about you know paying a different kind of tax, right. and he said, "I tell you what, that go, was a temple tax." Yeah, actually. go go catch a fish, and because I think this is, I don't want to make light of it, but it's almost comical. I almost like chuckled when he said, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar." I mean, give him his little coin that he made. But you give to God what is God's. Well, yep. wouldn't the answer to that to be everything? Yeah. It's like, yeah, give him everything. But you can give him his little coin with his little face on. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah. With his, so I feel with like divine it helps me because, look, I hate paying taxes. Yeah. I, they're yeah, way Pastor too Paul high. made a pretty strong but argument guess what? with the Corinthians that they, they were a little bit stingy. When I get my yeah. tax bill, I'm like, take your little coins and do whatever it is you're going to do with it, because I'm pretty sure it's not going to be very, very good. Because I'm just looking at the track record, but I'm not going to go dig a hole and bury it and and live alone the rest of my days because I'm so fed up with the tax system. Even though it well, is look, Jace, the reason ridiculous. the reason you don't like it, and, and all of us don't, is because our country was founded on two basic principles. The first one was religious liberty. I mean, a lot of people came here so they could worship God without the king overseeing them. And then not long after that, it was because we didn't like to pay taxes. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I'm we started, so we started throwing stuff off the ship. But I think that's why there's stories in here about the widow. Because I'm like, you want to do something with my tax money? How about go help some widows and some orphans? Yeah. I'll be for that. Yeah. And, I, I, and I think you can get into that. We could get in discussions about tax reform, and, and I don't think that's bad. I think the big thing is 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 when it becomes a like that is your allegiance yeah. is yeah. to these political uh, movements and causes. I mean, I, I've certainly, I mean, I've, I'm, I've got political beliefs and I have economic philosophy that I hold to. And I think I'm right. And sometimes you get caught you know, up in it. Right. I mean, I mean, you can find, you can, I think it's, if you put it in perspective and you right? ain't budging, look, if you give your allegiance <laughs> to God, but you also pay your taxes, yeah. but you're, you're realizing that this is, way down the list of where your allegiance lies and, and you do it. And I think you justify it by what, by what he said. And you can find the positives, you know, bridges and roads and different things that are happening that you can find a few positive things, you know, I mean, you don't want to be walking around because if you start reading in a lot of these bills that are passed on where the taxpayer money is going, I mean, look, there's whole, shows and networks yeah. that run 24 cycles and they just tell where the money's going and it just enrages people <laughs> if you if you want to sit up to that table every day of your life you're going to walk around grumpy and mad that's why i'm like just turn it off why are you doing this to yourself I, and yeah. i think that needs to be said because i mean i one day i'll tell my full testimony on this subject because it's been a, it's been an incredible journey and I could I could write a book about this. Are you it would be for controversial. The of limitations to run. Yeah, out, I got to think about no. all that. Uh, <laughs> but I will tell you that at some point, you just get. You have to ask yourself this question: Do you want to be angry all the time? And yeah. I, I just I think we have to have a different discussion as believers about. And I'm not saying I have the answer yet, but we do. I think we have to rethink how we're having the discussion about political things. I don't think – I think what's been happening is it's put us in such a spot as believers. I just think that there should be more transformation and joy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, yeah. that, that well, Jesus is the one that transformed. And, I, yeah. and the underlying current here is that by his death, he is going to accomplish power and success and He's his love and all these, you know, the, his glory and goodness is going to be passed on to us through the Holy Spirit, and that's where we camp out. Yeah, and so it puts it in perspective in the world that we live in. So, but why are we here? Why doesn't he just come back? Why? Oh, you know, because people they'll watch the news for an hour and come tell me the world's fixing to end. This is it. Yeah, I just watched it. Yeah. I mean, everything we don't know a male from a female, and we're giving taxes to. You know, whatever, it, it, people just get so upset, and they're like, the world's fixing to end, and I'm like— This last uh, election cycle, death of democracy, democracy's yeah. on the ballot. It's all going to be over if we don't vote the right way. I'm like, the world is going to end when God has looked down, and he, we have done 
what he wants us to do, which is making Jesus look good to the world, mm-hmm. bringing people together, no matter what their culture or what their behavior or whatever you can come up with that divides us. Because all these passages in the New Testament are going to come to light. There's neither male nor female or social class or he brings people together at the foot of the cross. He, he gives us grace. He gives us love. He gives us hope. He get, brings us into a family. I mean, you just think every problem in the world he addresses. That's right. He gives a solution to and an answer. And it's permanent. It's not just we're going to see that in the next because they're going to come up with the afterlife. And it's like you see how their minds work and they're like, all right, we couldn't get him on politics. We couldn't get him on religion. Let's try the afterlife. <laughs> it's just one thing after another that they're trying to get they're just throwing spaghetti and, against and, and the wall. Like, and, and you know nope, what? I think the, nope. here's I do I don't know the answer to all the questions, but I do know here's one answer. That, that when Jesus answered all these questions, the one word that I would say describes what he said was transcendent. It was just above it. He yep. just it, it was, was above it. It was a whatever whatever plane they were on, he they were asking on down here. And he was answering up here in yeah. another world that they were just like. And it was camouflaged to the opposite. He redefined success, success as they know it because it, we know what political powers do. Yeah. It's all about this life. It's all about your bank account, how many people follow you. And like, I mean, you got to remember, Jesus started this whole thing. If you put him in the social media world, I mean, look, he's got 12 followers. Yeah. <laughs> That's I not, did see. I did see that Jesus had a verified Twitter account. Now go, go yeah, look yeah. up blue check. They got the blue look, check. Go, go find me an important person on Facebook or Twitter or whatever who has twelve followers. Nobody would deem that as successful. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I think he turned this whole thing on its head because he came at it from a spiritual angle. Which is kind of funny you said that because I was thinking about that conversation he had with his uh, siblings when they said, you know, if you're going to be a public figure. You got to get out and mingle. You know, I'm paraphrasing. No, but they, they tried to help. That's him. what I'm saying. They were, his little PR firm there. They're like, you know, they didn't even believe in him. Right. Exactly. Which is amazing. Yeah. All right. We're out of time. Uh, we're going to flesh a little more of this in overtime. And, oh, uh, offer, I did forget one thing. If you want to know about the movie, you got to, I, I want I'm going to say this on every episode. Okay. 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 Tell us. Tell you us. You got to go, you got to go to theblindmovie.com. The blind movie. Jace is going to go and, and put your email in so I can keep you updated on everything. Emma? So, yeah. You, yesterday, I'll you, got, some, you I'll get some people on it. Get some people on it. So. <laughs> Jace, I'll have my people call your people and we'll do lunch. All right. So, theblindmovie.com. If you want to follow us over to overtime for a little more discussion uh, on Mark 12, uh, that's uh, blazetv.com slash unashamed. They got a promo, $10 off if you use the promo code Phil. So, check it out. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes and don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.